Since 2015, Pop Health Podcast has brought to you some of the best minds in healthcare, including leaders from government, not-for-profit, and investor-backed powerhouses, as they share successes, failures, and how our audience can move forward in today's constantly evolving healthcare world. Thank you for joining us for today's episode presented by 24-Hour Home Care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Ward. In today's episode, we had the opportunity to sit down with Angel Vargas, who's Kaiser Permanente's Vice President, Care at Home in Southern California and Hawaii. I've had the chance to get to know Angel over the last couple of years and learned a bit more about him in today's episode, including how in the early 2000s, he was an unemployed father that had a computer business that ultimately didn't work out and that led him to doing some side hustle computer repairs for a home health agency that led to a medical billing job. And here we are today, uh, nearly two decades later, and he is in an awesome role with Kaiser Permanente. We learn about some of the challenges that the home health and home care industries are having here in 2021, some workforce challenges, and also some internal talent there at KP that's up and coming. Angel has awesome stories to share, including how he's currently a reservist at Travis Air Force Base. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check us out at pophealthpodcast.com, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your shows. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy today's episode. Well, good afternoon, Angel. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thank you, Gavin. Happy to be here. Awesome. So, uh, folks, Angel is the vice president of Care at Home for Kaiser Permanente in Southern California and Hawaii. I may not have said that in the right order, but hopefully close enough, Angel. Just right. This is right on point. All right. Awesome. Well, um, for, for those of you that don't know, or if you don't know, Angel, we like to start our episodes by getting to know the guest a little bit outside of the healthcare world. Um, so would you mind sharing something about yourself uh, outside of the workplace, a fun fact, hobby, something like that? Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before I got into this place of healthcare, I was born and raised in a nice little area called Chicago uh, in the Midwest. I went to Purdue University, uh, followed uh, for my undergraduate degree in uh, management finance. And then I started my healthcare career at a small home health agency in Chicago. A fun fact about me is I was a military officer for the last 11 years active duty, and I'm currently an active reservist at Travis Air Force Base in California. Okay, awesome. So still serving. We just celebrated uh, Veterans Day and uh, happy late Veterans Day. My uh, my whole, all the men in my family um, have been in the military. Don't judge me. I was the exception. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, we have a lot of love for the military in my family. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it, it's cool to hear. So at Travis, uh, tell us about your role there. Yes, uh, I'm a senior administrator. So I'm the deputy commander I oversee all business operations for the 349th Aerospace Medicine Squadron. Our main mission is uh, medical readiness for pilots and our, um, our deployable forces. I've been there, again, for three years. Um, I'm a lieutenant colonel. I just got promoted to lieutenant colonel uh, last month. And um, it's, it's just a great, it's a great mission, great shop, working with a lot of physicians and nurses and getting patients and uh, airmen ready for uh, their, their missions. Okay, awesome. So you're from Chicago, um, had the chance to interact with you uh, not too long ago in Chicago, talked about my love for Portillo. So now you are living uh, in the San Gabriel Valley where at this time of year, man, uh, I'm sure you're, you're not missing Chicago with those cold winters. No, definitely not missing Chicago. My mother just called me yesterday saying, hey, can I come back out and visit? And I said, fine, you can come for Thanksgiving. So she's ready to leave the cold. Uh, you know, when Boeing, funny story, when Boeing moved, moved into Chicago, 
when they were doing their assessment and comparing it to Dallas leaving Seattle, they said there's only two bad things in Chicago, January, February. So <laughs> they almost lost that bid because of winter. So nice. uh, I'm glad to be out. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, when we were talking in Chicago, Angel, I know one big thing uh, that you've been uh, you know, trying to get in the good habits with is uh, with fitness. Uh, tell us, uh, I think you're up for doing some fitness challenges. Tell us about that. Tell our audience about that. You know, well, I have to give a little credit to the military. You know, uh, when I went to officer training school, waking up at four o'clock in the morning and then going to PT at five o'clock every day and then going through a full didactic day, getting done by 10 p.m., uh, they instilled a little uh, fitness in, in you. And uh, it's something I carried with me as an officer while I was in there. Then when I got out, I let it go a little bit and then I instantly regretted it. I ate a lot more fast food, wasn't waking up in the morning, and uh, gained a little weight. So, you know, part of my view on fitness is, A, the, I'm still in the military. I should always adhere to some basic standards. But I believe as a healthcare professional that fitness is a core element of our presence. So it's one thing that drives me personally so I can inspire others to have a fit and healthy life as well. Hey, man, I think that's very relatable uh, to me, actually. Um, in my day job in home care, our president... Uh, Ryan, who you've had a chance to interact with as well, um, has really instilled that uh, in me. And he set an example himself, and um, I'm sure he's fine with it, but he also uh, worked hard to get in a better shape in life. And he's been a good example to many of us. Uh, not sure if you heard of MyFitnessPal before. It's an app. Uh, I have. Yeah, I lost, I lost 20 pounds uh, using it. So, um, oh, yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I think what we're talking about, you know, we're going to talk about Kaiser Permanente and what you're doing with the care at home division in just a moment. But um, yeah, I'm glad you're you're talking about this as uh, part of your who you are outside of the workplace, but also inside of the workplace, as you mentioned as well. So you've been in the military. You're still in the military. Tell us you mentioned you got into home health uh, kind of in the earlier part of your career. How did you land there? You know, I just it's, it's, now we're getting personal, but let the world know. Um you know, I was a single father and, um, I, you know, I was unemployed for about a year and a half. September 11th hit. Uh, I was hunting our, our business. I had a small computer business, went out of business. And so um, for about a year and a half, I had no employment and uh, I was doing computer repairs on the side. And I fixed the computer at a home health agency in Chicago. And um, I was drawn by the company and said, hey, can I join your company? And they hired me as a Medicare biller. So my first job in healthcare was in home care, and it was Medicare billing, uh, doing that manual DOS system and submitting the claims. I think it's probably still around. Submitting the Oasis documentation via modem. Okay, so this was a this was uh, several years back, but uh, that's how I started in the uh, home health field. Was luck of the draw. I fixed a computer at an agency, and they took a chance and hired me. Wow, man. I've, uh, I've known you a little bit of time now, um, but I, I did not know that's how you fell into the industry. And, you know, your, your vulnerability and being open about, you know, your year and a half of being unemployed. Uh, my dad, I come from a family very similar. You know, my dad, uh, long period of unemployment and um, it created stress in the family. So to see you, you know, land on your feet, not just that, but, you know, many years later in the role you are with, Ke with Kaiser Permanente, it's pretty cool. Um, so thanks for sharing that with our audience. So tell us a little bit about this care at home division, which I know is a, a relatively new phrase as well within the Kaiser Permanente uh, system for SoCal and Hawaii. Tell us about the name change. Yeah, so the original name when I first arrived here in 2018 was Home Care Services, and that included Home Health Hospice and Home Palliative. And as we were developing our new strategy, 
uh, senior leadership and I um, worked together to come up with a new name to organize our entire portfolio. And Care at Home was it. Kaiser Permanente Care at Home more specifically. Kaiser Permanente Care at Home Southern California, Hawaii for me more specifically. But our national organization also has Care at Home in their, in their uh, language, uh, as, as you're aware. And um, the difference is we wanted this entire portfolio to go beyond traditional home health hospice and home palliative. Uh, we wanted it to also include our support for personal care services. Uh, I also have durable medical equipment and medical transportation under this portfolio. Uh, and other areas are coming into this space, mobile phlebotomy, advanced diagnostics, et cetera, et cetera. And we figured that transforming home care services from a traditional agency type model into a formalized service line was the right thing to do for our patients. We're not out in the community. Uh, we're not fee-for-service competitors like normal home health agencies are. We're a capitated system. Our patient population comes from our own membership. Yep. We're not taking any patients from the community, only our members. So that makes us very unique from what I grew up in in Chicago, by the way. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to interrupt, Angel, but on those lines, um, for our audience that's not familiar with the Kaiser Permanente model and the different you know, service lines, can you kind of briefly at a high level explain the different service lines of Kaiser Permanente, including the medical group, the hospitals, et cetera? Absolutely. So Kaiser Permanente, as I said, is an integrated care delivery system, uh, one of the largest, if not the largest in the United States, a uh, nonprofit. And we're a unique structure. We have three separate entities. We have the Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, which is the insurer. We have the Kaiser Foundation Hospitals, which are our uh, 39 hospitals across the program, uh, Southern Cal and uh, beyond. And we have Permanente groups, physician groups that are their own uh, entities as well. And all three of us operate as a single unified um, unit as Kaiser Permanente. We work together, um, we collaborate, we integrate, we're fully aligned. Everything's about the patient, everything's about the system and getting the, the patient's entire holistic view of care all seen within our own walls. And, and but the good news is uh, we also partner with communities, as you know, and send some of that care out as well. Um, and that's our basic structure. We're in eight states, um, so Southern California, Hawaii, Northern California, Oregon, Washington, Colorado, Georgia, and the Mid-Atlantic states, Virginia, and Maryland. And um, we have over 12 million members. And we've been doing this for several years prior to my birth, I believe. <laughs> yes. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, I remember. I was like, what was this Kaiser group when I was a kid? I would see signs and uh, I had no idea what it was. Now I now I know quite a bit. And uh, so your Southern California, Hawaii uh, division, how many members are you kind of responsible for or have access to your team? So, well, not all patients have access to home care, traditional home care, obviously through the criteria, but our membership population is almost 4.9 million when you include Hawaii. Uh, and that plus or minus, and it's probably um, a little higher as we continuously get new members. Um, and um, uh, we serve patients for home health, traditional criteria over the age of 65 are, are the primary, but we do see below that uh, for those that are senior medical advantage. And then um, we also have some commercial payment patients and in hospice, traditional criteria, home palliative, traditional criteria for home health as well. So um, that's our uh, limitation. We're not see we're not seeing all the 4.9 million. Yeah. yeah. 
yet. Let's talk the future, though. Let's see what the choice. Let's see what the Choose Home Act uh, in Congress goes to see where that takes us. <laughs> yeah, the Choose Home Act. So we uh, we just had a live event actually for the show earlier this week, and we touched on that. But I don't think the folks that are listening today uh, may not have seen that episode by the time this comes out. So when you say this Choose Home Act, Angel, can you give us a, a 30 second, 60 second overview of what that is and what that means for Kaiser Permanente? Well, first I'll start with what it means for the country, if that's okay. Um, yeah. the, you know, long, let's long overdue. Everyone's been talking that home care is the future for the last 30 years. Let's, 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 let's stop that. And it wasn't the future. Wider, during wider days, he had a doctor go to his house, okay? Yeah. Just, you know that. <laughs> So this is just, we're going full circle back to how healthcare was actually delivered in the past. Uh, however, our regulations and our structure uh, from a federal level and from a health plan, health insurer level uh, nationally yep. is finally catching up to see the value in home care. It's affordable. Yes, but that's not the reason. Patients want it. Yep. When I'm on hospice, I want to be with my family. When I'm, when I'm getting care, I don't want to be in a hospital. I want to be in the home. Now, there's times where the hospital is absolutely needed and we fully support that. But there's a lot of times where I think the patient was still like, hey, I'd, I'd like my wife and my children with me while I'm getting this procedure done if it's not requiring a full hospital stay. So that's the power of this. And the Choose Home Act is a robust investment into the home care space that hopefully transforms us, removes the homebound uh, requirement, uh, and allows us to make home more of a convenient care system. Uh, on-demand system, sort of like outpatient is with the um, uh, with a lot of the innovation they're doing in telehealth and and whatnot. So that's my view for the nation. What's good yeah. for the nation is also good for Kaiser Permanente, and I will speak only on behalf of Kaiser Permanente Southern Cal Hawaii. This would be good for us as it will allow us to fully transform our services and capabilities to serve more patients. Absolutely. You know, we're doing COVID vaccines. We're doing flu vaccines. We're doing a lot of things we normally don't do. So, um, and I think the Choose Home Act will give us the legal and regulatory support to go even further and faster. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, as you were responding to that about the homebound requirements. So uh, for those of you that may not be familiar, if you're going to receive home health services or hospice services, uh, you're often required to have meet homebound status where you're kind of stuck at home. So Angel, what you're talking about means, hey, even if we're not stuck at home, but we have some ailments, we can now choose to receive that care in the home. Am I understanding that correctly? Uh, yes. Hospice, you don't have to be homebound. Obviously, okay. they go to their uh, physicians. They can leave the ho house more easily. Uh, but home health is 100% a homebound requirement. Uh, difficulty leaving, uh, and it's a post-acute service most of the time. And uh, this will allow us to expand beyond the traditional criteria. And, you know, but there is a downside to that. With expansion comes more access demands and access constraints. And we all know what's going on in the market with the, with the staffing crisis. Oh, yeah. The Choose Home Act also hopefully will allow organizations um, that not every organization is as large as Kaiser Permanente and, uh, and Humana and Amazon and whatnot. Yeah. Some of them are smaller and don't have the apparatus and the, the pipeline staff towards these future services. So the Choose Home Act, in my opinion, uh, lays the groundwork uh, to uh, help make home care more attractive to younger, newer, not younger as an age, younger as an experience, uh, clinical staff to come into the space earlier in their careers. Okay, so on those lines, uh, I know Kaiser Permanente, I like to say KP for short, uh, <laughs> are, are, you know, 
helping advocate for these changes, right? And you guys are part of something called the Advanced Care at Home Coalition. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I could talk to it from the concept of it's it's um, from a program. It's not we're not uh, performing it in Southern California, Hawaii at this time. Okay. Um, I, I, I do work with that team uh, very closely. I, I fully understand where we're going, but that national coalition uh, is designed to advocate for um, improvements in regulations and changes in regulations to meet the needs of our patients and their desires. So it is a conglomerate of major corporations and major organizations and major healthcare providers uh, to, to do just that. It's, I don't want to call it a lobbying firm, but it is, it is a group dedicated to transforming our ability to deliver care at the federal level. And because that'll actually transcribe down to the state level as well. So um, uh, the advanced care at home program is currently in Northern California and Northwest. And uh, it's currently in its pilot stages and it's doing quite well. All right, awesome. So uh, recently in, in our uh, mutual trip to Chicago uh, for a conference, um, you were interviewed by Home Healthcare News, which is a great organization. Um, shout out, shout out to those guys. I know one of your colleagues uh, received some recognition. Shout out to Linda Chow, uh, and we might see Linda on the, uh, in the future on the episode. On the episode, uh, highly, highly recommend her. She's a rising, she's a future star, future leader. <laughs> awesome, awesome, and uh, you're mentoring her, I know, which is great. So, in the article that I read, you mentioned that you wanted patients or prospective Kaiser Permanente patients or active Kaiser Permanente patients to know um, or to think of, of Kaiser Permanente as an exciting place to receive care because of the opportunities in the home. So the way it was phrased was, it sounds like the population in general or our nation doesn't realize how much we have the opportunity to receive care in the home. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, that statement was grounded in the fact that, you know, when people take any service, this is branding 101 I'm gonna go into from my old school marketing course. You know, when people align to a brand, they align to it for a certain reason. Kaiser Permanente has an integrated care delivery system. People align to that. Kaiser you know, Comprehensive Holistic Care, all services within the, within the system. Um, people align to the VA when they want their um, post-disability uh, needs. Uh, people uh, like Amazon for its user logistics experience on supply chain delivery and uh, warehouse management. I mean, there's so many reasons why companies get branded. My view with that statement was, I want Kaiser Permanente, Southern California, Hawaii to be known for its home care. We want patients to say, I want that insurance because their home care is leading edge. Their care at home is leading edge. Their care at home is providing us everything we need. They hear us, they understand us, they want to support us and our families. And I want this insurer because of that. That's the vision. And that's what I was trying to convey in that sentence. Okay, awesome. That makes sense, and I think you. I think we'll we'll get you there. I think we'll see you there. So um, you talked about as well how new talent is needed in the home care industry, and uh, we originally were hoping to have Linda Chow, one of your colleagues, on, who's a rising star, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and so, just a, a quick note on her. Um, you know, this new talent or Linda, like, what's the catalyst for for bringing in outside talent or new talent? What's what's the vision there? Yeah, thank you for that. You know, traditionally, again, the reason why you, you don't see a robust structure of talent in the home care space is because we're highly fragmented. We had prior to COVID, we had 4,500 hospice agencies, 12,000 um, home health agencies, and I don't even know how many personal care service agencies. You probably know that better than I do. And if you notice from those numbers I gave you, which are staggering, 
that means isolation. No systemic technological innovation, no systemic deliberate development. It was everything growing at a at a local area, like a mom and pops type style. That's where I was at. It was at a mom and pop small agency. There was no development. There was just like, here's my need where you get the job here. As we evolve, I believe that the structure of the industry has to get more modern to make it as attractive as an inpatient hospital stay. Hospitals are structured. They have support service leads. They have clinical leads. They have chief nurses. They have COOs. You see that structure? There's variation of structure in the home care space. And that deters talent from coming into our space earlier in their careers. And it's just a fact. I mean, and Linda Chow, when I first met her, as amazing as she is demonstrating in this role, also said, oh, tell me more about home care. I don't know that much about it. Flag, red flag number one. And red flag number one, because this is, a, this is an advanced fellow who's working on multiple initiatives within the hospital system and the health plan. And when I talked about home care, I had no idea what we did. Now she's realizing we do all of this stuff, how complex the regulations are. And that's what I meant by newer talent. And again, now let's talk about the other risk. In the healthcare industry, turnover pre-COVID was 82%. Turnover pre-COVID, 82%. Now it's down to 65, 67. I forgot what the exact number is post-COVID. But we also have a high retirement risk because, yeah. as I mentioned, a lot of the staff get into home care later in their careers. They're done with ED. They're done with ICC. They're done with urgent care. They're ready for some autonomy out on their own, which is a good thing about home care, by the way. And what that means is we have a very, very high retirement risk. I believe, um, uh, I think it was 60 or 70 percent. Don't quote me on this. I'll find the stat of people in the home care space were over the age of 45. So they're just 17 years out from uh, uh, 62 retirement age. Yeah. So, you know, go to the ED, go to the ICU, the average age of a clinician is 25, 26, 27. Do you see the difference? Yeah. That's risk. And we as an industry, as a healthcare industry, and Kaiser Permanente is not exempted from that, have to resolve that. We yeah. have to I love, I love you hitting that straight on, man, and not being uh, afraid to throw out those numbers. Um, yeah, that, that's a real thing. And it's funny you mentioned that because when I go to the ED or ICU or the, fr- the people in my network or friends, you know, it is a lot of uh, younger folks in those units. Uh, so, yeah. so good point. So we're heading into 2022. I want to stress and that this has nothing to do with age. It's just the reality on the ground that we have a higher population of staff who do plan on retiring sooner than the ED staff are. It's just a reality. Um, we value all employees, all ages, all all types. So yeah, thank, thanks for clarifying. Yeah, no problem. Um, so we're heading into 2022. Uh, I know earlier you said senior advantage. So for the audience, uh, Kaiser Permanente senior advantage is the Medicare Advantage population mm-hmm. for Kaiser Permanente. Uh, which is, uh, I think you mentioned, it's probably the majority of the folks you see, but you also serve folks of all ages. Um, are there any new benefits uh, where people can access um, besides the choose home home law? I know uh, with Senior Advantage, they get home health benefits, they get the hospice benefit. I believe there's more and more palliative care. Um, you, you, I think you phrase it as home palliative. Home um, palliative. Yeah. What are what is home palliative for those that don't know? Great. Well, home palliative is a service designed for patients who have chronic and long, uh, long-term pain management needs. And it's also a transitionary program from uh, their current setting into hospice. It can be, it can be one of those lanes. Um, we've actually had a home palliative program 
for several years now. We've tied it under our home health license. And so uh, it's, it's a little different criteria, um, but we're very proud of that program because it is a, a place where patients that don't qualify for home health and are not ready for hospice that we've been able to give good service to and, and, and manage their pains and manage their long-term chronic, chronic needs uh, in a compliant uh, uh, manner. So um, we're looking forward to the evolution of palliative care from a regulatory standpoint. Uh, I know the state of California is a little bit more active in this space than other states. I know the federal government's looking into it. So uh, we're um, uh, very excited about what we've started because we'll be able to transition to any new governance structure um, quickly. Now, I do want to point out that Kaiser Permanente is also a participant in the hospice VBID carbon demonstration. And we are doing transitional concurrent care practice pilot in West Ventura, we're the only health plan in California right now, uh, that allows for a concurrent palliative service uh, as well as transitional into hospice. So we are working that now and we're piloting and we're working very close with Medicare. Very exciting. Uh, when we started, there was only nine health plans nationwide. Now there's over 30. I think 34 was the number for this year. So other health plans are catching on and realizing that this is a good pilot to be on. Awesome. Awesome, Angel. Well, we can go on and on for a long time, but we're, <laughs> yeah. we're nearing the end of uh, today's episode. I want to give you an opportunity. So, I mean, your team uh, and access was a bad choice of words on my, on my point, but you have 4.9 million members that if they meet criteria, you, you're, you are overseeing the team that's going to serve those members. So there is a shortage, a clinical a clinician shortage right now. Are there any, this is an opportunity for you to quick shout out to the audience. Are there any key openings that you'd like to mention or how people can uh, find openings for your team? Absolutely. If you go to kp.org slash jobs, type in care at home, uh, you'll find a lot of opportunities for us. We have leadership opportunities. I'll tell you specifically, I'm hiring for area administrators to run our local agencies. And when you're an agency administrator, you oversee home health, hospice, home palliative, and hospital home care. I'd like to point that out. It's a little bit, it's not home health only, hospice only. You run and oversee all of that. I have director of patient care service positions that are open, uh, one open uh, right now. We have consultant positions, uh, uh, nurse consultant positions for hospice. We have supervisor positions, quality coordinator positions, quality analyst positions. And of course, our most critical staff, our frontline nurses, therapists, chaplains, social workers, home health aides, and LVNs, PTAs, and CODAs are always available. So please go to kp.org slash jobs, type in Southern, uh, search for Southern California, and you'll see a lot of opportunities here. And we will welcome uh, anyone who wants to serve the patient. Awesome, Angel. Well, that's been great. I know you're also active, uh, I believe, on LinkedIn. Um, so, uh, best way to follow you there is what? Just look up Angel Vargas. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah, I'm very active on LinkedIn. It's linkedin.com slash Angel Vargas Jr. One. Angel Vargas Jr. Number one. And um, um, I'm part of the American College of Healthcare Executives as well. Um, anyone looking for any job opportunities or even advice or mentorship on professional development and growth, I do uh, provide support to anyone who needs it. All right. Awesome. Well, if, I'm not sure if you're going to the December event, uh, but I know the speaker is one that I'm interested in for the ACHE folks. Um, so if you're there, I'll see you there. Uh, folks, again, we've had Angel Vargas, who's been our guest, vice president for Kaiser Permanente Care at Home, Southern California and Hawaii. Probably got some of that mixed up again, but uh, you've been an awesome guest, Angel. It's been great getting to know you, and um, I know you guys will continue to do good things and probably pass 5 million members here soon, I would guess. Uh, well, knock on wood. We're here to, we're actually here to serve. We're here to serve the community and we're excited to do so. Awesome, Angel. Well, hey, thanks for your service as a veteran and thanks for joining us on today's episode. Thank you, sir.
Thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.